Welcome to the Sandpaper Podcast from the Postmark Group. It's been our pleasure to produce this little series of video podcasts to show you who we are and what we're up to. In our first episode, we talk with Jamie Banfield of Jamie Banfield Design, an award-winning Vancouver design firm. Jamie is a television and social media personality with a long history of designing beautiful spaces. We talk mindful design and what it means for the industry, Lego, toilets, kitchens, and what it takes to make space work. Jamie, this is so fun. This is a this is the first recording of the Sandpaper podcast. I'm excited and let's let's do it. How did you and Becky meet? Like where like where did where did this come from? Yeah, so we met, I would say, a couple times in passing at uh, EO, so Entrepreneur Organization, Vancouver Chapter. And I wanted to get involved with EO based off of having like-minded people that think like me um, that are my peers. And, you know, growing up, you know, um, a lot of my folks and a lot of my friends, they don't understand anything I do. My brother literally thinks I'm a salesperson that carries around a Crayola coloring box, right? So... <laughs> EO was a way to connect with people that thought like me. And, you know, me and Becky have conversations about um, just being a nerd in this and a nerd in that and being proud of it and, and like excited and energy. So, yeah, met Becky a couple of times in passing and then just kind of hit it off. And, and I've had so much fun ever since. Yeah, lots of uh, we, lots of beers at Parkside talking about how um, how we can design better. Yeah, and just on thinking, just taking other perspectives, right? Of thinking of, instead of just thinking of end dollar amount, thinking of use of space or longevity. And yeah, lots of beers are Parkside for sure. Yeah. When did you know you wanted to be a designer, interior designer? Have you always had like that passion to, you know, you know, make things look good and function better? And Yeah, I mean, if you ask my mother, she'll tell you I've been doing this for my entire life. But I honestly did not understand that an interior designer was even a career. I thought it was like architectural or I'm going to bust my knees off uh, just doing demolition my entire life. I thought that was the only two ways to get into construction. Whereas um, my long, like, honestly, you know, I would be a kid and I would be, mom and dad would go out for dinner out with their friends. And I would like be with the babysitter, like grabbing some paint from the garage. And I'd be painting my mom's bedroom wall with like exterior oil paint and like getting all over the carpet or like, dragging they had this like a um like a little tv console thing that was taller than me bought from like the brick and i would like drag it on carpet from the living room to the dining room and like by the time it was done it's like shaking gonna fall over and there's like a big chandelier in the dining room and i'm like nope this is where your new living room is gonna go so if you ask my mom i've been doing this always right and and i've always had like lego like every birthday every christmas there's lego that kind of lands on my desk and that's something where my dad's a trade he's he's in welding and that's one thing I guess me and my dad have always had the ability to relate on is just building and putting things together or analyzing how to pull things apart. Um, so Lego was kind of a big driving factor for me, which looking back on it, I think was one of the best kind of skills I ever picked up because I can understand space based off of playing around with Lego. Um, and then I thought I was going into marketing, played around with that and actually worked, you know, through summer holidays, worked for a plumber or, or an electrician, floor layer. And that's the only thought I, I, that's what I thought people did for summer jobs. I didn't know that people went to McDonald's and they went to do all these other things. And then I just ended up kind of just molding and, you know, kept going in that direction and then stumbled upon BCIT that actually offered an interior design program 
but then I looked at that as we're going to pick pillows and, and hang drapery and things like that. And I was, that's not for me. Right. So when I got more involved in the program, I understood, oh, like we can actually design homes. We can play with renos. We can, you know, understand tiles and cabinets and electrician and things like that, which I was already kind of playing through, um, as a kid, as a teenager, kind of getting up that way. So that's kind of how my career path kind of started. What made you want to transition from like working for somebody to working for yourself and having your own firm? Yeah. So that, that's, that's a really good point. Um, why? And it was, it was really hard because I never had an ambition to work for myself. Um, never once had an ambition to be a boss, never once wanted to run the show, but I ended up, you know, working through a couple different career paths. Um, I worked for accountant maker. I worked for uh, home Depot, but I ended up working for an interior design firm and I was actually paid commission as an interior designer. And when working for this firm, I kind of realized the things that I don't want to do or the ways I don't want to be forecasted out there, right? So a couple, you know, smashing heads against certain people I was working with, connected with a couple of our um, suppliers and they pretty much were like, Jamie, you got this, just go on your own and didn't know what I was going to do. So just ended up buying a website called jamiebanfield.com and was like, okay, let's go figure this out, right? Um, and then just kept kind of snowballing. But that was one of probably the most impactful and I would say most grateful experience I ever had because it taught me things that I do not want to do. So just like ethics, morals, how to, what our company is going to stand for, what our team's going to stand for. But back in the day, I didn't even understand that that could be a thing where I could actually control that destination and where we're going. So that was kind of my path on how to get, um, you know, becoming the figurehead of our business or leading a team um, was literally being in a spot that I just wasn't falling in love with. Tell me about how you ended up sort of building your brand around being this well-known expert in that area. Yeah, I would say I've always had a passion for kitchen and bath. So as I started kind of building our brand in the beginning, um, literally I went and worked for Rona, got a job there on the weekends, just ended up doing odd little jobs, right? So somebody needed a couple cabinets installed, things like that. And I kind of took my past experience and just kept building on kitchens. And we kept kind of getting that momentum of just being an expert in the kitchen and bath industry. And I would say one thing my mama taught me since I was a kid was the answer will always be no. So unless you, like, if you don't ask the question, it's already no. So the best thing you can do is just ask, right? So I remember we were walking around the home show once and Jill Kibbett was the show manager and there was this installation by BC Hydro. And I asked like, how do I do that? And she was like, well, you talk to me and then let's see if you can do it. Like has a, have a conversation. So a lot of our first kind of ever, like our, our first, you know, editorial in a magazine, our first CTV interview, our first home show, those things were prompted by me. I asked like, how do I, how do I do that? How, what steps do I have to do to get there? Right. And even with the first editorial I ever had, I literally, there was a magazine and I emailed the, the person on the magazine and said like, how do I get in this magazine? And I was in it and I was so proud to be in the magazine. But one thing that I was so naive and, and a little bit embarrassed to do is they spelt my name wrong and I didn't want to correct them. <laughs> so instead of being Banfield, it was Bamfield, like B-A-M. But I was so proud to be in that magazine. But the only way I got in that magazine was literally by asking, do you need something to go into that magazine, right? So I think a lot of perception of what we do is 
you know, you create a Facebook account or an Instagram account, or you make a, a logo or a website or a business card and things are just going to come to you. But really, as I'm sure you guys, you know, know on the other end of this, you got to go work for it. You got to go get it. Right. Um, and I think that's one thing in the PR realm of things. It's been more me reaching out to see what we can get involved with and, and how we're going to do it. So Jamie, um, from your perspective, what is mindful design? Like, I know nothing. Tell me all. <laughs> I, I think I think the biggest thing for me with mindful design is just taking, first of all, understanding and just stopping, right? So understanding your surroundings. So what are you actually going to impact here? And a lot of times in design, we'll be working on pieces of paper and we forget that the numbers of these budgets are just numbers. They're not really impacting us, right? Where I'm not spending this money or moving this wall here or there. It's a couple of clicks on a computer and it's done, right? As a designer or, you know, trying to map out somebody's kitchen. It's just like, maybe it's, I saw a really fun Instagram photo. Let's do it this way. But really, I think mindful design is stopping, taking a step back and really understanding what are you impacting, right? So, I love space planning. I love function. And I think I love it because it's one of the easiest ways to really impact how anybody can live in a space. So, you know, dictating even a distance between an island and a countertop or an opening of a door or a swing of a door or a placement of a window bringing light in, like that can literally impact someone's mood or feel or whatnot. So I think the number one step there, I think, is just to understand what you're impacting. And then, you know, when we get into construction, we're impacting, you know, our surroundings as far as environments. So, you know, going into a, a town and, and building what you guys are, are building, that's going to impact not just, you know, the curb appeal, what this thing looks like, but also return on investments for properties around there or attracting new people moving into the city or how people are going to use that surrounding area. So I think mindful design is based around just understanding what you're going to impact and then trying to leave this space way better than the way you found it. Right. And I think I say this a lot and you know, a lot of people cringe when I say this, but I think designers inside, we should be dead. Like we should be totally dead inside, which sounds crazy, but we should not be bringing that emotion. Right. We got to bring that emotion from the surroundings, from the environment, from the end users that we think are going to be in there or the person that's actually using the space now. Yeah, I think I think that's super important. And mindful design, I think, is one of those things where, you know, there's there's so many ways to define it. And, and I think that's the, the cool part of it. Yeah. And I think like we get like, you know, we'll we'll be interviewing a new prospect, a new client. And some people will ask flat out is like, what's your what's your style? What's your design? And and that's where I kind of feel like, OK, take a breath and let's like educate here, because realistically, we're not that end result, right? Where we know the tips and tricks and, and the, the rules on how to get to that end result. But really we want our homeowners to step into that space and be like, check out my amazing space. And this team of professionals such as Jamie Banfield and so on helped us get there, right? So we don't want that, you know, this is a Jamie Banfield style because we like using blue. It's more if blue connects on what they got to get to. And I feel like the more, you know, as time keeps developing through, we're seeing more homeowners understanding that, right? So I think they're even clicking on to what mindful design is going to mean to them instead of coming to us as far as give us a Jamie Banfield special. They're coming in to be like, this is what we want. You got the tips and tricks to get us to the end result. Yeah, it's, it's more about that uh, learning how people live in their space because every, every person lives in a space differently, right? 
Totally. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We're all nerds here. We're all nerds here, right? So <laughs> we all we all want to learn on how like, you know, those tips and tricks and how people are living and collect that data and 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 provide the best possible space yeah. for that specific person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's crazy just even having like a like like a toilet, like <laughs> the thing of a toilet, right? Like how someone's going to use that toilet, like there's a round bowl and an elongated bowl and there's a skirted toilet that can be cleaned really easily, right? And you know, we'll have conversations and most people will giggle and we're in a showroom and it's like, go sit on this toilet. But there's like five choices you got to make on that one toilet, which is going to impact years and years and years for this, this living this home, right? Like picture mom cleaning the toilet. Whereas, you know, she's got two little boys around. Well, it's like invest in a skirted toilet because the mom is not going to cringe as much um, because of the splash zone rather than just buying, you know, something that's not skirted, right? So even though mindful just tax and just even picking yeah. a toilet for a certain family over a family that has all girls, like that, that'd be, it could be completely different. So um, we're working on this project in Cumberland together. It's called the Eddy, um, Jamie. And I kind of want to bring that into the conversation a little bit. So tell us how you're incorporating mindful design into the eddy yeah i would say we're super excited to be working with you guys on the eddy and for us one of the main reasons for jumping into this project was just understanding your guys's philosophy and where you're going and we are so excited to just be a part of that and to see where you guys can take this and as far as you know heading into cumberland it's such a fun spot because i know the transformation of what you guys are going to create there is going to be so impactful on so many things and i think the just the understanding of the exterior to the space planning to the materials the little choices that we're making right now in this process is going to impact so many lives and just way people think the, their mood and i'm super excited that, that you know we've created this 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 type of feel of what we think people are going to really connect with but how it's going to make them feel right so you know, whether it's coming to the outdoor space, right? So we're seeing a lot of materials we're bringing in that are natural, right? And we know from studies and things like that, that natural materials will actually help with, you know, relieve anxiety or just happiness or timeless design or just touching and feeling these tactile things. So just thinking about just materials, right? And we spent a lot of time on understanding the space planning of these units, right? So I know we're coming on a design aspect of understanding the function of how things are happening in there. and you know, we're putting more square footage into things like mudrooms and laundry room spaces, right? Or we're understanding that the environment is going to probably connect to a lot of people that are going to play on bikes and be really invested in good bikes. So how is that connecting into their space? So allocating materials where we know, you know, they're going to be more durable for people to walk in, strip off. They're dealing with mud and grit and things like that. But then also just window placements, right? We're putting so much thought into window placements on you know i know one unit we're playing with we've got a um a flex space and we've placed a window in a certain area and a door to bring light into that front entrance but to give this flex space a whack load of light right so i think it's all these little mindful tactics that we're thinking of um that are really going to impact the end user from you know the, the day they walk in there to maybe 20 years down the road when maybe they're upgrading to a to a different space or or somebody else is downsizing and moving in yeah i i i love it i mean going through the design meetings and being able to imagine the person that's going to live in that space and how they're going to function is just such a cool process to go through 
Yeah. And to me, that is mindfulness. Exactly what you said, right? You're, you're taking that time to stop and then you're thinking about other people and how it's going to impact them. Right. Which I, I'm super excited for. Yeah, no, totally. I always get shot for this and I'm sure I'll get shot again, but I, I always like to thank people before profits. <laughs> and Becky laughs because like every time I bring it up in a meeting, you know, I, I get some eye rolls, but I, I think it's important. I think, you know, you know, the yeah. profits are kind of that, you know, and, and that sort of thing are kind of that outcome of that good product. Yeah. Right. So if, if, if we're putting the people first, if we're, if we're thinking about the community and thinking about the people that are living in that space, like the profits take care of themselves. We really don't have to, don't have to worry about that. Right. So. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're the same way in your business. hundred percent. Like even, even just connecting with like COVID, right. We've made mm-hmm. a lot of choices based off of people, not profit. So right. as a business, there is certain steps that we can take to be more profitable and we would be okay. Like we would be able to do those. Whereas we've taken certain steps, which we're enlisting in our team more trust, right? We're building more trust with them. And, you know, one team member, um, we made a certain decision and about a week later, she thanked me and said, thank you for thinking of our health and our well-being, right? And that's not dollars and cents to me, but long-term wise, that will turn into probably a lot more profit of, you know, needing to rehire or, or turnover or just how our consumers are connecting with that person, right? So even just thinking that just on a broad picture, right? So I like how you guys take that into every meeting that you deal with, right? If people over profit, because like you said, Seamus, on the end result, it will, I think it will pay off tenfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I've been listening to, um, and we were talking about this a bit earlier, Jamie, um, the Vancouver real estate podcast and like listening to all of these really, um, established CEOs and, uh, of development companies. And the one thing that I really took away from that, um, is the fact that these guys are thinking about the end end user, um, and, and really putting people first in some cases and, you know, just continuing in that tradition and, you know, I think you see that when you put the people first, when you design for the people, when you treat your, you know, your subcontractors and, and the people working for you um, as the most important thing, the rest just follows. So like, what, what's your, what's your favorite feature so far of, of the Eddie? Like, what, what do you think, like? Just like, oh, that's good. I like that. I would say the mass timber is going to be stunning. So that's one of the things that really got me super excited. But, um, the the entrance to the residential section of, of this development, right? That is something that, you know, me and Becky talked over beers many times on this where there's there's a minimum standard that you have to build by, right? But there's a lot of other aspects on how to make people move or think or or just appreciate different things, right? Or even just like getting somebody to use the stairs over an elevator where when walking to a lot of these uh, developments, we're focused on just the elevator, right? So, and I think just making somebody take the stairs, that adds into quality of life. That adds into, you know, their health and and possibly the thinking of who is going to be their neighbors and the lifestyles that they're going to achieve, right? So I think just the amount of thought that's being put into this front entrance on the materials, on how, you know, sight lines and how materials are working inside, outside, light, um, all that type of stuff. I'm getting super excited just for that front entrance. Cause I think also when you look at just a residential project, right? Like curb appeal is great on a home, 
But when you actually walk up to that front door and you rung that doorbell and you're kind of looking around, and you're like, oh, actually, like all the pe the paint's peeling and the door handle doesn't work probably is crooked. You get a feel like you instantly get a feel of what that home is going to feel like. And even just walking, you know, buying a brand new car, when you click that that door, there's a certain aspect of how this thing is, you know, the perceived perception of what this place is, right? So the fact that we're putting a lot of thought into what that front entrance is, I think is going to showcase really well on what they're going to achieve and, and see and feel inside the unit. So I think that's probably my, my, my most favorite section so far of the project is that front entrance and how people are welcomed into the residential section. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely one of definitely one of my favorites. And I think and, and Becky can kind of support this. Like we're we're a we're a young company. Uh, we're you know we're still trying to find our way, and we're we're trying to surround ourselves with you know smarter people. Um, that's why you're here, Jamie. Um, uh, so like we're, we're you know it's kind of cool to see like how we're kind of morphing and finding our way and kind of finding our signature. And I totally agree with you, Jamie. Like I think. I think these entrances on, on all of our buildings um, could become one of our signatures. It could be one of those like, you know it's a postmark building mm -hmm. because the entrance is just well thought out, epic, um, you know, very inviting. Is it, it is one of those things where, and you're right, you, you're going you're gonna to judge a book by its cover when it comes mm -hmm. to a building entrance, 100%. So tell me about some of the amenity space in the Eddy and what do you, what you think about that? Yeah, I think, well, it's getting tailored really strongly around uh, bikers, so mountain bikers and how that's going to be used. So I think there's going to be elements throughout, you know, common area to the actual units to an actual facility specified just for that, right? So bike storage, um, we obviously know that, you know, there's some bikes where, you know, you can spend tens of thousands on these things, right? Where maybe it's storage inside the units. But I love the fact that there's going to be a space for somebody to hop on and ride a bike right inside. Or they're going to be able to tune and clean up their bikes, which I kind of see that space being envisioned. You know, there's a group of six coming together and they're going to meet up at the eddy before they head on out, right? And then a couple of friends are going to go downstairs. They're going to tune up their bikes, wipe them down or after two, right? So I'm excited for that one space because it's going to literally be the meeting spot, right? Which then is going to impact all the little businesses and the cafes and the restaurants, you know, the burger joints, all those things around because of that, right? So I'm a super, I'm excited that, you know, you guys have thought out how, what the end user hopefully is going to use this space for and investing into this because it's going to change how people are thinking, right? Whereas a lot of developments we see going in there, you know, the standard is let's give them a space just to work out, right? And that's, it's kind of more of like a checkbox where, sure, we've hit the minimum requirements. Great. We're up with our competitors, right? Whereas the thinking of this space and, and this development is you guys have literally thought out who is going to use this and what could be the end result, right? Um, so that one space, I think for me, is going to impact the overall feel of who's coming to the area, um, who's going to be coming in and out of the building as far as guests. And I literally think that this is going to be the the meeting spot. And then it's going to be, you know, at the end, everybody's going to get their bikes out of their trucks. They're going to wipe them all down, clean them up. And then they're going to head off to a couple other little restaurants, bars, you know, little areas around there to grab, you know, a sandwich or a drink afterwards. Right. So that's probably my favorite feature of this building. Yeah, that's so cool. So, you know, in, in that line of thinking about amenities and, and having space built for people, um, what do you think are some of the problems with design right now? And what are you seeing as like maybe not so well thought out 
obviously there's older units out there, so they need to be revamped because the way we thought of living has completely changed to what it is today. Um, I think space matters to people and understanding what's used for outside and inside. And we've, we've had discussions on this where, you know, what kind of outside space is going to impact the life of, of certain people. So I think one thing that's not taken into account is just the placement of where people are going to use the things, right? So, you know, if it's larger kitchens, more storage, uh, things like that. And I think as far as bad design, there's, you know, just understanding space planning. So we put a lot of effort into figuring out how people are going to use these units or move around or how they're going to store things or how they're going to take off, you know, dirty clothes over, you know, storing clean clothes. And I think a lot of developments that are just going up right now, you know, it's a very in-demand market where they're just throwing boxes up and they're throwing up really quick and easy. And they're not putting that thought into how to actually map out this space for a little bit more function, right? So you put a lot more thought into that where people are going to be able to get into the space and not think, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I wish I had that. So I would say function and just the space planning alone um, in comparison to other, uh, other units and other developments out there, I think what you're presenting is going to be uh, really forward and, and really good for the end user. So yeah, looking out there, I think in the new developments, what's happening is space planning is not taken into account properly, right? Or or just light, right? Because to add an extra window in for a developer, you know, that's, that's added cost, right? But we're proposing windows in certain areas to give natural light in there. So I think that's kind of the main kind of tactic for me that I kind of cringe on when I'm, you know, looking or we're seeing other units out there is based off of just the function the space and how they're actually laying out that space. What do you, what do you see as the like the long term impact of this like bad bad space planning? I think we're in such a boom market right now in in most areas where product is just getting slapped up and sold, right? And we're coming in on the other end of this thing where we're having homeowners buying brand new condos and before they're going in, they're ripping everything out. So we've got two projects right now that we're renovating the entire thing based off of the quality, right? So I think what's going to happen is somebody's going to move into a unit like that. They're going to fall in love with the renderings. They're going to fall in love with, you know, the overall building. They're going to have a year, a couple years in there of understanding things are not working from them. But what they're going to do is they're going to judge that living. They're not going to judge that one unit, if that makes sense. So they're going to think that they need to move out of a condo into a townhome or they're going to need to go to a home where really... They don't need to, right? It's if that thing was designed and mapped out properly for their, their living space, um, they would understand that, right? And I also think consumers are getting very savvy, right? So I think on materials alone, they're going to be able to understand between a good developer and a not so great developer based off of choices that the developer is making. And back to that, you know, people for profits, right? So when we're looking at materials and we're mapping out lighting, um, that is going to, to showcase better to a consumer. But but they'll buy it. Great. But when they're living in this space for three, five years and they're going through the different levels of what they have to have, whether they're, you know, got a newborn or they're going through, you know, a toddler or they're, they're whatever's happening. They're working from home. They're not working from home. They got a little bike in there, whatever. Um, they're going to really be able to understand how these things are wearing. And then that's going to push them off of possibly that brand of builder or, you know, they're, they're not going to settle for this stuff anymore. Right. So I think the quality of building will need to step up and you guys are building above par, right? So, so, um, what's a productive or impactful hobby or habit you've picked up in the last 12 months? I would say, 
I think for me, it's going to be not giving an F. So before <laughs> I had so many thoughts in my head of what other people thought or, or how it's going to be perceived, or I can't do that because it's going to step on this person's toes. Right. And I think just having a bigger voice and just standing up for certain things, um, that has probably been one of the biggest things that's come out of this pandemic for me is knowing where we're going and just not giving enough based off of thinking of what other people are going to think or doing things because it should be done this way and asking the question like why not right and there's 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 many conversations within the design and construction industry that i think is completely broken and i've been able to kind of make a little bit of headway just by pushing those two things through and even with our team right like there's decisions we're making where even back to you know the beginning of COVID, we made a certain decision on how we're interacting with consumers and as a business owner i could have caved and done it completely different but it was like this is what we're doing and we're not giving enough because it makes sense um and then just going through so i would say i don't know if that's kind of the answer you're looking for but oh i love it that's going to be my goal for the next 12 months so thanks yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, okay next one who's a mentor you had early on to set you on your career path yeah i would say one person that stood out was actually which is a little bit crazy for me she was actually uh, a specifying rep right and she has pushed me and pushed me and pushed me um in all different areas um right. of this business and the amazing thing is there's no real um motive on her end there's nothing that she's going to foster out of it right so she pushed me into so back to kind of when I got into this thing, not believing there was there was an association that was filled with an old boys club. And she pretty much pushed me in to be like, well, if it's bothering you, get in there and, and change. And I was able to work my way up and become the president of that association and win a couple of awards and other things through it. And it literally was by them pushing me into it, right? Um, and this person, like, honestly, like our, our, our first home show we did, like, she literally called in, took a couple of days off and helped me paint walls and she was always there to kind of help out but the sounding board i got off of her was tenfold and it was a different perspective because she was coming at me with a different age um she had completely different background and even though she's not sitting in the seat that i you know does aspire to get to um she had all the qualities i was able to push me into rethinking or or when I needed that kick in the butt to just be like, you're on the right track, just keep going. She was there for it, right? And I think sometimes when people think of mentors, they think that they have to, they're looking at somebody they have to be just like with on paper, right? It's, well, they do the exact job I want to get to in the end result. Was sometimes mentors can be somebody that, you know, they've got certain attributes or certain things that they live by or stand by that will impact you just by being and rubbing shoulders with them and and you know just even having that quick chit chat back and forth right yeah that's so cool so on that on that line like what do you think what advice do you think you'd give your younger self like your 20 year old self I think my the, the advice I'd probably give to my younger self is to just go and do. And we talked about, you know, we've had a really, um, we've had a new hire and we've held off on hiring this position or getting into that segment of our market based off of possibly just, you know, stepping out of our comfort zone, right? So I think one thing I would say to myself back then is just do, right? Just Just don't be scared of that discomfort. Don't be scared of what's new and different out there and i remember the first time we ever 
you know, rented a space. And I remember my dad being like, can you afford it? Right. And it's well, like, can we not afford it? Right. So I think just getting out there and just doing right. And, and I think a lot of times I get bottled out in my head and pull myself down based off of not able to, to do that. Looking back on situations where I could have moved faster or we could have just jumped on it quicker. So I think my advice would be literally just get out and just do just, 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 just push on your uncomfortness and just, just get it done. Yeah. I oh, that's think. amazing. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, okay. So, and I mean, you were talking about this employee earlier before we were sort of on the podcast and, you know, going down this new path that you're going. So, um, you know, obviously that being Revit. So explain like how that, how's that going to impact your business? Yeah. So we've made like a strategic uh, step in where we're going to develop into working on um, off of AutoCAD. Maybe, you know, it's going to be a five, 10 year process to get there. I don't know. But focusing on, on a software called Revit, which is, I think is gonna reinvent how designers think, but just make our industry more efficient. Cause there's so many archaic things that we do in our industry that don't need to happen, right? And also with this new hire, we're gonna go after different segments of our industry, right? So we're not gonna just be tailored into a certain realm where this opens doors on architectural or more in-depth building permitting and things like that. So I'm excited for both of those, right? And and this has developed from the need of, I think, us staying on top of technology and also on top of where our industry needs to be. Cause we don't wanna be that person where in five years from now, we need to be like, oh, we need to hire for this or do this or do this. We wanna be ready for what's coming and we wanna kind of achieve that, right? So yeah, we're taking a step and we're, 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 getting, in, we're getting into Revit and our entire staff that we have on right now, none of us has been trained in this in school, right? So this is gonna be a learning curve on our end, but I think as a business, it's gonna be well worth that investment in these people to get us there. And then just on the excitement of where our boundaries can now go to and how broader and bigger that's got, I'm super excited for this, this kind of new, new aspect to what we're doing. So what do you think is the biggest change needed in the design and construction industry right now? Um, I think, I think two of the biggest changes probably need to happen is just more collaboration. Like a lot of, like, there's a lot of people I know and, you know, we'll have a conversation. We're not maybe, you know, the best of friends, but we're, we're close and we're not this open book. Right. And that's one thing coming back to EO where I felt like I could go to EO and I could kind of say what is actually truly happening and what is truly in my mind. I'm truly thinking. So I think in our industry alone, I think we just need to just like, there's a lot of work out there. There's a lot of work out there for everyone. Let's knock those walls down and just have more of a collaborative effort and don't be scared to communicate that way. And I think, our industry, it's an old boys club. It's very much an old boys club and it's driven by that mentality of old boys club. And I think one of the the segments of why we're getting into passive building and we're getting into Revit and other things like that is one way to kind of snowball that old men's club and how things are done archaically is to just get more advanced and just to focus on the future, right? So there's a lot of things in our industry because of that old boys club where we're doing things so inefficiently or we're doing things so backwards, but it's just because that's the way it's always been done. Where I think consumers are just getting engaged to, you know, social media and things are opening up so many other things where consumers are reading into this stuff and they're understanding it and they want innovation and they want future. And I think that's going to leave a lot of that old school boys club stuff behind. And even, yeah, that's a top, that's a full topic on a podcast. Yeah. If you want yeah. full 
it's pull time. Out, let it all go. Yeah, it is. It is time. Like you, you mentioned it earlier, where you, you said the the construction industry is broken, um, and it's time. It, it, it's time for some new life, some new blood, and yeah. And it's it's but the 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 super exciting thing is the blood's here. It's oh, it's here. ready. It's yeah, which is super exciting. Yeah. But, yeah. Totally agree. Super exciting. And, and, you know, like in EO, I know Seamus is an EO guy and, you know, for any business entrepreneurs out there, look into EO. It's totally worth it. Um, you talk Game a changer. lot about, yeah, you know, in EO, you talk a lot about that 10 X. What is that 10 X that's going to take your business 10 times? And I think, you know, this idea that we're breaking the mold breaking out of that old boys club introducing things like revit putting mindful design into the equation that is what you know allows you to hit that 10x in your business and you know as you're hitting that 10x what are you focused on really Seamus people yep love it Cool. Well, thanks, Jamie, for coming. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again on here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. And I'm super excited. And I'm glad this is the first podcast ever. And I can't wait to see where this is going and what you guys are achieving. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. It's going to be exciting. We hope you enjoyed episode one of the Sandpaper podcast and our conversation with Jamie Banfield. Like and subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and all the socials.